This week, BDS has attended AWS reInvent 2020, the world's premier cloud learning event. Of course, as has been the case for many conferences this year, the AWS reInvent was held virtually, but it still gave us access to hundreds of training sessions, networking opportunities, and exclusive launch announcements, all from the comfort of our homes. Mike Fordham, Mo Zamzam, Ian Harris, and Ryan Puri, our cloud and AWS experts, join me in this podcast episode to discuss the highlights from the event. I'm Adam Roche, and welcome to the BGSS podcast. So what is AWS reInvent and why did we attend? reInvent is an annual learning conference that AWS usually hosts out of uh, Las Vegas in the USA um, uh, around this period of time. Uh, so end of November, beginning of December uh, of every year. Uh, but this year, because of the current circumstances, they are hosting it uh, virtually uh, over a period of three weeks. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, as a conference, it attracts uh, uh, a global community of business and technical users of AWS, uh, and uh, it's used as an opportunity to learn uh, about all the services and features that AWS uh, have in their portfolio. Uh, learn about the new releases uh, um, uh, that uh, have been announced during the conference. Uh, uh, and also uh, network with others uh, uh, within the community uh, so they would know how to leverage those services to solve some business problems. Uh, From an AWS perspective, uh, it certainly uses it uh, as an opportunity to uh, talk about successes uh, of the past year. Um, uh, Like this year, for example, they talked about um, uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, who uh, uh, who have uh, have used AWS to become far more efficient uh, uh, during the COVID uh, times. They've talked about Moderna, uh, who have used AWS to help develop um, uh, uh, the COVID vaccine. Uh, but also, uh, it tends to coincide with uh, uh, major service releases uh, and features uh, uh, that uh, makes their portfolio. More, more usable for certain use cases. From a BGSS perspective, for us, it's very important to attend uh, reInvent as an advanced consulting partner because we learn about those new features and services and, and then we, uh, we, we use them to build value propositions that we uh, can uh, help, uh, be, um, help our customers with. And are you able to shed some light for our listeners around some of the key themes at the conference this year? I think as far as key themes are concerned, so far we've had uh, Andy Jassy's uh, keynote, which is always a big direction setter for uh, for reInvent. And I took a couple of big um, key things away from from that keynote, Uh, one of which is uh, AWS's um, renewed focus on flexibility of approach. So most of the service announcements in the keynote um, were to do with making things easier to adopt or easier to work with or easy to adapt to your working processes. Uh, for example, um, we can now use containers on Lambda. Great. If you've got a content, an existing container workflow, that meshes in very nicely. Uh, you want to use Fargate for your batch jobs. Yeah, that capability is there now. Even more instance types um, with the introduction of um, Babelfish. Um, if you've got licensing constraints on certain technologies, you may have more options now. Um, and then... Going from there to the announcements for ECS and EKS anywhere, that's allowing you to uh, to run your container workloads 
uh, outside of uh, AWS as we understand it. Uh, the key point here is that you're able to pick and choose how to adopt services much more easily than we were in the past. And the ever-growing range of options there is consistently lowering the barrier to entry um, to use AWS, uh, which is great to see. Um, and secondly, I think my, my other key theme that I really took from, uh, from the keynote, which was spelled out really well, was AWS's approach to what is hybrid. And they called out some really, really interesting um, questions there into what we should consider hybrid cloud to be. And Andy uh, pointed to a couple of interesting um, interesting cases where is a, a field on a farm uh, on-prem, is a restaurant on-prem. Um, and they're really approaching this quite differently um, and kind of reframing the argument, which is good. Um, and I was really interested to see the increase in attention paid to those edge, those hybrid uh, contact points with AWS. So we had a lot about um, outposts, wavelength and local zones, which is all about moving AWS services closer to the user wherever they may be and shortening that connection to the initial service. So this, I think, combined with the, the flexibility that I've mentioned before, they were my two real big consolidated takeaways from the keynote so far. Mike, containers and lambdas seems to be a big talking point can you share what AWS is doing in this space? Yeah, certainly in the first week, we've seen a lot of new announcements with containers and lambdas. So on the container front, we've seen some enriched functionality for EKS with respect to um, making add-ons easily uh, deployable. We've seen the release of EKS Distro, which is effectively making EKS open source and making that technology available for use outside AWS. And the introduction of spot instances for worker nodes, uh, which very much plays into the cost optimization piece. And then on the Lambda front, we've seen larger compute limits, uh, which is effectively now allowing you to run uh, Lambdas as EC2 instances in terms of uh, the max um, memory limit being 10 gigabytes and six virtual CPUs. Um, there's greater billing granularity right now down to the single millisecond. And then the really exciting thing is that you can now uh, run container images in Lambdas. And then something that cuts right across this is the release of AWS Proton, which is allowing you to formalize and manage microservices deployment, be that containers or Lambdas. And we find this really interesting because um, there weren't too many EC2 announcements, but there were still some. And I think what this really reflects um, for us in the industry is that we're seeing a greater appetite from people operating in the cloud to make it a leap away from the use of EC2 instances and actually uh, start to deploy microservices using uh, lambdas and containers. Um, we often talk in platform engineering of treating AWS services themselves as, as microservices uh, and using some of the principles there around being loosely coupled and being able to adapt to change. And now what we can see is a concerted effort from AWS certainly reflected in this year's reInvent around the fact that a lot of companies are now saying, we're not going to use EC2 instances anymore. We're going straight to containers. We're going to make the leap to serverless. And we're going to stop thinking about the platform and capacity considerations that we may have had with EC2 instances. And we're going to start to use serverless-based solutions. Um, and I certainly think that this is, this is not the end. This is the start. And we'll see this trend mature over the next three years where AWS slowly start to release more services that allow you to stop thinking about compute and allow you just to consume services that allow you to run your applications um, without any consideration for what's, what's running underneath. 
Ryan, there is lots of talk around how AWS is helping to make some of the world's leading organizations more efficient, which is crucial, especially during this time. The case study they gave was that of Southwest Airlines. Can you share what you learned about this case study and what similar projects BDSS has delivered in collaboration with AWS? Well, AWS is really trying to be a partner and present themselves as a partner, not just at the Partner Summit at reInvent, but you'll see plenty of content and available sessions about uh, evolving businesses and their processes. And uh, last year at reInvent, we saw a big focus on enterprise and the Partner Summit was really just one blue chip company after another talking about how much they use the cloud. Uh, but this year, it's more of a focus on doing it well and doing it efficiently. And the interesting thing to me about Southwest Airlines um, in the case study they presented was that most companies are focusing on data when they move to the cloud because that's where they have a lot of fixed costs tied to their on-premises infrastructure and their driver is to reduce that cost. Um, I was recently working at a client where we were migrating database instances from Rackspace to Azure and one of the engineers proclaimed proudly, oh, that's $8,000 a month saved on the database cluster. And um, I, I laughed at him only a little bit, but Southwest realized that uh, there are many more costs that are associated with inefficient code deployment. And so where they started in their journey to the cloud was focusing on their deployment. And I remember a strong focus being on this, um, on continuous delivery in reInvent in 2019. Um, Amazon's up to deploying code over 23,000 times a day, which is really one deployment every few seconds, 24 seven. Um, Southwest also looked at their complex application ecosystem, and uh, they started not with a data migration, but with um, building out a microservices architecture in AWS. And you know they've since added a data lake um, and uh, doing a lot of analysis on their data, sharing it with NASA, et cetera. Um, and I do think that the cost savings on the technology can be a significant driver for some companies in moving to the cloud. And it's certainly easier uh, for us as a consultant to quantify as a selling point to a company when we're convincing them to shift their infrastructure. Um, I think a lift and shift migration is also easier to sell because it sounds a lot simpler than re-architecting their systems to a microservices architecture or better yet a serverless one. But often the most expensive hourly cost for a company is development man hours. Uh, and if you can make your developers more efficient, you can apply those savings towards more innovation. Um, and I really would like to see that um, displayed more prominently as Southwest did um, by testimonials and case studies uh, by AWS is um, really evolving the code deployment um, and uh, the application, uh, really the application architecture more than the infrastructure in uh, trying to really take advantage of the efficiency when moving to the cloud. Well, so Ryan, sustainability seemed to be another area that AWS touched on. Can you expand on what they've been doing to support this space? Well, Amazon as a retail company is um, obviously very well positioned to be a leader in the area of sustainability. Uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen even more acceleration in the move towards online shopping and delivery and away from uh, the classic uh, retail big box stores. Uh, Amazon is actually pretty well positioned to become the delivery leader um, as they currently deliver about half of their own packages, which is two and a half billion packages per year right now. UPS delivers about 4.7 billion and FedEx is around 3 billion. Um, so there's a whole lot of opportunity for Amazon to help in sustainability 
uh, as a company just through their package delivery. And they're doing things like right-sizing packaging. Um, you know, they've reduced the weight of their outbound packaging by about 33% since 2015. They're working to make it more recyclable. Uh, Amazon co-founded the Climate Pledge, which is an ambitious goal to be net zero carbon emissions by 2040. And uh, they're working towards powering their own operations with 100% renewable energy by 2025. And you can read about the wind farms they have in Texas, uh, etc. Um, they've also developed their own fully electric delivery vehicle and uh, ordered over 100,000 of those to um, promote having more electric vehicles on the roads and uh, cut down on carbon emissions from their own delivery service. Now, uh, from the AWS perspective, they founded the Sustainability Data Initiative, uh, which is a program that works with uh, the NOAA and NASA and others um, to deploy all their data sets, make them available on AWS, and that includes weather observations, forecasts, uh, climate projection data, air quality data, ocean forecast data. Um, basically, they instead of just throwing money at a climate problem, they identified a problem they are uniquely positioned to solve, which was disparate data sets. Um, and last year at reInvent in 2019, they had a Code Green event, which was a four-hour hackathon using the Amazon Sustainability D Data Initiative um, and those data sets to find most sustainable locations for particular events given travel costs heating and cooling costs, et cetera. And uh, all the code from that has been released and is available on GitHub. Um, obviously, with reInvent uh, being virtual this year, it's a little bit different. And I haven't seen a Code Green workshop that they have uh, running this year, but they have been holding them over this past year at the AWS Loft workspaces in uh, San Francisco and New York. So um, obviously, you know, they're trying to use their ubiquitous platform and uh, their common technology standard um, to... Uh, drive uh, this sharing of data sets uh, and making tooling available for people who are trying to solve these problems. Um, moving forward, I'd like to see them showing more leadership in um, you know, modeling this data and using machine learning maybe to help companies and some of their enterprise partners to drive down their own energy usage and um, be a little bit more of a leader in uh, working with these larger companies that are already tied into AWS, uh, working to reduce their own energy usage, uh, not only on AWS, uh, not only on their technology, but also uh, with other products they develop, um, looking for ways to improve on that. Mo, we also heard the announcement of 33 new AWS products and services. Are there any products in there that you're excited about and you feel will benefit organizations heading into 2021? So Andy Jesse has certainly announced uh, a load of new uh, services and features uh, this year uh, in his keynote speech, 33 to be exact. And like Mike said earlier around uh, uh, containers and serverless computing, there's uh, uh, a lot of excitement there because the services uh, uh, they are offering are becoming more and more enterprise friendly uh, in terms of building applications. But uh, for me on the machine learning front, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited because it's becoming uh, far easier and more accessible for uh, everyday users to uh, uh, leverage uh, the services that AWS offers in terms of high-end API-driven machine learning models. Uh, and this year, they've continued uh, in that fashion around um, uh, Amazon Connect uh, uh, Voice ID, for example, or Amazon Connect Tasks. Uh, 
to focus uh, and enhance the features available through Amazon Connect, for example. Uh, they've also uh, made um, a, a move towards uh, very specific industry use cases. Um, so in manufacturing, for example, they announced um, AWS Panorama for computer vision uh, at the edge. Uh, they've announced Amazon Lookout for equipment, uh, Amazon uh, uh, equipment for vision, uh, uh, and a load of other services uh, uh, that would enable manufacturing uh, uh, factories in their service line to uh, uh, enhance their quality inspection. But uh, the service uh, that I am mostly excited about as uh, working for uh, uh, BGS as, as a partner of AWS, uh, we tend to help uh, customers uh, build modern uh, architectures and systems uh, using their services and then provide them with a, an ongoing managed uh, uh, service uh, support. Uh, and Amazon DevOps Guru, although it's in preview, but uh, it certainly gives uh, a new dimension to uh, how we can monitor uh, and detect uh, anomalies uh, in day-to-day uh, -day application operations. So um, they say it, it, it helps uh, uh, identify uh, behaviors that deviate from normal operating patterns. Uh, uh, and then it provides us with alerts uh, uh, related to those anomalies and the likely root cause and, and gives us some context on uh, where the issue uh, may have occurred, which is quite interesting. I'd, I'd like to see how that um, is really integrated uh, into uh, uh, a regular application that would be running on AWS. Uh, so uh, I think that's, that's the one service that I'm mostly excited about. Ian... What were some of the key bits of advice you gained from attending AWS reInvent that could benefit our listeners? So there's always a lot to take away from uh, reInvent in terms of, of, of what you could be doing. Um, I think this year, a lot of the points that I've taken away are around the need to not stand still, to not think the way you're doing is the way that it should be done all the time. And I guess this is about the, the reinvention and reInvent. So... The big ones are um, staying aware of the change in technology um, and the value that it can provide if you make changes. Um, it's a constantly changing landscape. Um, AWS is rapidly changing all the time. And it isn't always easy during the day to lift your head up from the challenges of the day to check if there are better ways of doing things. So for me, there's some, um, the great, there are some great approaches to this, uh, including uh, the Well Architect Review, for example, which um, is providing more value all the time as uh, further lenses are applied to the tool. Um, regularly appraising your approach and making sure you're doing the right thing for me is essential. Um, after all, one advantage of being on AWS in the first place is that AWS will actually innovate for you on your behalf. Often your task is then to take advantage of what's already been provided. Um, a good example of this one for me is uh, is the recent um, uh, innovations in, in Graviton. So if you can adapt your workload to use Graviton, um, you get, you can get potential um, substantial price to performance benefits, and yeah. So my key takeaway is to uh, ensure that you are taking advantage of the benefits of working in AWS whenever you can. And finally, Mike, going into twenty twenty one, what are BGSS's plans for developing our partnership with AWS further, and how will this help our clients bounce back from what has been a turbulent year? When we talk to our clients about 
uh, the last nine months and the things they want to achieve in the cloud and how it helps their business. It's clear that they want the agility to be able to react to the changing way they do business or to be able to deal with the next bump in the road, whatever that may be. So really, it's about arming themselves with the capability to deal with things. And the cloud has proven to be the platform that provides them with the ability to do that. So when we look at our plans for 2021 around development of our partnership with AWS, it revolves around four key themes. That's um, developing our go-to-market offering around BGSS Landing Zone, which is encapsulating best practice uh, platform deployment in AWS by code. It's around developing a go-to-market offering in cost optimization and supporting our clients with becoming cost-optimized. And it's also about development of two competencies um, in partnership with AWS. That's both a managed service competency and um, a migration competency. And when you look at those four things, they're all about uh, accelerating mature cloud adoption and de-risking things for our clients. We know that when our clients get into the cloud, they experience a better rate of innovation, whilst they also benefit from improved scalability, availability, and cost optimization. So being able to take away uncertainty and increase in the speed at which they uh, experience the, the value of operating in the cloud is vital to our clients when they're either recovering or riding out economic uncertainty. So there are plans for 2021. We're going to be very busy. It's quite an exciting time for BGSS. And it's also an opportunity for us to significantly help our clients um, in these turbulent times, as you say.